This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. Date Night China explores life and love for better relationships in China. Every week, we hear from different guests and dive into dating, relationships, mental health, and how both expats and Chinese people connect with each other here in China. Join the Date Night community through our podcast and events in Beijing and Shanghai, and catch up on all the latest stories on our official WeChat account. Find our account on WeChat by searching Date Night China. No spaces, no capital letters. You can also join our WeChat group by adding Rachel, me, on WeChat. You can search Rachel Weiss twenty two, R A C H E L W E I S S twenty two. And now for this week's episode. Welcome back to Date Night China podcast. We're on episode twenty three. It is just me today.、Uh, Nathan is away, so he won't be joining us for this episode. But it's still going to be fabulous because joining us for this episode today is Duels, a Scottish expat who recently gave birth in China to a beautiful baby girl in April. She shares her experience giving birth in China during lockdown, what the postnatal practice of zuoyuezi. Or staying in for a whole month is like in China and Chinese people stereotypes of Western new moms. So thank you, Duels, for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm so so happy to be here. It feels so surreal to listen to you do that intro, like in <laughs> real life. If you get me, like in real、yep. time, seeing it happen、yeah. on the Zoom. Yeah, yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's so cool as well. Like we've been Instagram friends for a while, and you're down in Nantong. I'm up in Beijing, so we've I've never, actually never met in person, but I feel like I know you so well. I know. I、Instagram. always think this is so <laughs> odd, like that we haven't actually met, especially the fact that we have quite a lot of mutual friends. Yes. <laughs> This is the crazy thing that we were talking about before recording. Like we have so many common mutual friends、uh, from my first city. I first lived in China in Hanyang, and now they're in your city. And then all these other expats in China. It feels like the world is very small. Very, very small indeed. <laughs>、uh, so let's jump in. Tell us about yourself. Where you're from? How long you've been in China? Your relationship status,、um, and what you do here. I am from Scotland. In the UK, and I have been in China now for three and a half years as a kindergarten teacher at an international school, which I absolutely love. And I came here by myself, and then met Jared, and now we have a baby. <laughs> so that's that's it. Brought pretty pretty much in a nutshell. Um, came here as a solo traveler, and now have、uh, a husband and a baby and two dogs. <laughs> and you're like, how did this happen? Wait, what? Literally every single day, every single day. <laughs> I feel like that's the plan that many of us like. We're like, I'm here for a year, and、It's、then one year, yeah, for sure. You're like, oh my gosh, I've got a baby. I've got all these things now. <laughs> I love it. Can you tell us a little bit,、um, a brief? Behind the scenes of how did you and Jarrett meet, and like when did you get married? What led you to this point where Baby Tiger came into this world? So we met randomly in a bar. Jarrett was、do. definitely not looking for a relationship. I was not looking for a relationship.、Uh, 
Um, we didn't even particularly speak that much the first time that we met because um, my friend that I was with at the time uh, grew up in South Africa and Jared's from there. So they kind of spoke more than than I did in the beginning. I was more interested in the bar's dog. <laughs> so I was just, you know, crawling about the floor like I like to do in public places. And um, actually, Jared said that he had a little dog and we ended up taking said little dog for a walk. And I completely fell in love with this little dog. And, and this is this little, little dog, dog now. It's my little dog. Oh, <laughs> you guys can't see, but Jules is holding the dog up on the Zoom call. He's so cute. So, um, Jared definitely thinks that Leap was um, the main reason that we ended up being together. Obviously, um, the fact that he is a very nice person and is funny and we got on also helped, but the dog also <laughs> definitely <laughs> up there. That sealed the deal. For, re- for real. Really, really sealed the deal. So, yeah, that's um, that's how we met. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we say we're married uh, in terms of China when we're, when we're talking to um, the locals here because that's kind of how it is. But we're actually only engaged, so we're planning on going to Beijing as soon as we can to officially get married. Um, but when it comes to having a baby or staying in a hotel or anything at all like that, then we tend to use the husband and wife terminology because then that way there's no, oh, well, you can't stay in the same room or you can't be here kind of thing. Yeah. Um, It's like the legality that just makes things easier. Like we're tied together. Don't separate us. We are together. So we, we are not yet married, but hopefully um, in the spring, maybe we'll be able to, we, as a British person, I have to go to Shanghai and sign a declaration first, and then we book an appointment. Um, I saw that you recently went to a British wedding. So yes, um, yes, you guys should definitely do it. Yeah. And it's nice to know it's possible. Yeah. Now Exactly. Um, And I know that it's not possible for a lot of expats because their country doesn't um, allow that in China. So um, yeah, hopefully soon, but obviously we've had crazy lockdowns, had a baby, (laughs) (laughs) there's been a lot of other stuff going on um, and getting an appointment at the consulate is not not so easy but as soon as we can we we will do that so um so yeah that's that's 100 i hope you guys are able to do that um i mean like when it came to the baby and everything was it kind of in the plan of like oh you know what now we're together like let's have a baby or was it kind of just like oh a fun surprise um, it was definitely a big surprise, but at the same time, um, before me and Jared got together, I was not up for having a child at all of my own. Like it's never been something that I was particularly interested in. I'll say I was always under the impression that I would never have my own children. Um, and then I met Jared and. I guess I just changed my mind and I know it sounds really, really cheesy, but seeing him the way he was with our dogs just made me think like, oh, that would be really nice if, if he's this kind of guy with the dogs, I'm sure he'll be a really good dad. 
And uh, yeah, I can vouch that he is, he's the best. He's really, really good. So that's sweet. And I think it's like you said, when you're with the right person or the right situation, you're like, okay, I feel like let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, some people might um, be with the right person, but they just, they, they don't change their mind. You know, I, I do know that's the case too. Mm. But I think for me, I guess I just wasn't ever in a position where I felt like I wanted to make that big of a commitment. Like that is, I mean, that's really solidifying any sort of relationship is, and and not so much the the outcome of having the child, but um, when you give birth in front of someone else, you know, <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that happens that um, yeah I'm glad that Jared is not horrified <laughs> you know it's probably closer together now through the, through the wonders of of the birthing room <laughs> for real like that is one crazy place let me tell you <laughs> so tell us about like once you found out you were pregnant and going through the process were you what was kind of going through your mind were you like oh my gosh I'm giving birth in China like that's a big thing in any country, but you're in a foreign country. Was it like, okay, here's how I'm going to prepare or how do I prepare? Like, how, how are you thinking about all of that? I am very fortunate that I do have friends that had already given birth in my city. So I didn't actually feel any sort of, oh my goodness, what am I doing? Kind of panic. And because we live here, it never crossed my mind to, you know, go back to the UK or go to South Africa to give birth. And I kind of like that we didn't have that option because it also, I think, would create family tension, you know, if we picked one country over the other. Especially with something as big as giving birth or a wedding, you know, obviously your family want to be there. Not in the birthing room, <laughs> but definitely outside waiting patiently. And so I, I'm actually quite grateful that we didn't have that, not option, but that horrible decision to make. It was already kind of made for us. So that part in a lot of ways was easier, in my opinion. And as for giving birth in China, I guess I didn't really think about it until the bitter end when it was like kind of too late to make any other decision. <laughs> but I. I certainly had very interesting hospital appointments from the off. And every single time I went to the hospital, I thought I knew what I was doing. And then they would tell me that I had to do some other test or go to a different floor. And it was different every single time. So that was certainly confusing. And obviously, I don't have experience of giving birth elsewhere. So I don't have anything to compare it to. So my experience, although yes, it is definitely different from the UK. I wouldn't know anyway, because I haven't done that there. So in a lot of ways, I'm glad that I haven't had experience elsewhere. So that There's this experience is to, I guess. exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I think overall, it was a pretty good experience, despite having a lot of hurdles. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. When it came to actually, like, I guess, going to the appointments in the hospital, like you said, hospitals in China can be so confusing. And especially when there's not a streamlined process and they're 
doing things differently every single time, it could be a little bit stressful, I can imagine. Oh, yes. Very, very stressful. (laughs) Especially, I think for me, because I do speak quite a bit of Chinese, I think it was possibly more stressful because they didn't feel the need to speak English. And therefore, I would be a little bit more stressy when they used big words. And I'd feel awkward getting my translator app out because, you know, I don't want to lose face that I, Mm. oh, I don't know the word for, you know, abortion or first pregnancy or all these other questions that they hit you with that you didn't think to learn the word for because you didn't think that it was necessary, you know? Yeah. But they do ask you all of these questions when you first visit the hospital. They ask if it's your first pregnancy, if you've had an abortion before, when your last period was, you know, all of these questions. And I'm sure in the Western world, they probably ask these two, but of course I was totally naive. I've never experienced this before. So I was a bit taken aback. And then of course in China, they don't really care so much about privacy when it comes to all women together. Um, And if anyone's been to a public swimming pool, you'll experience that in the changing rooms where everyone just gets changed in the same room and no one cares, you know? They just let it all out. Yeah, Yeah, like who cares? It's fine. We're all women here, you know? And so that was a big shock for me because Jared wasn't allowed past a certain point in the hospital, so I had to go by myself. And then while I feel particularly vulnerable because I have my entire midriff out for the lady to check the heartbeat and whatnot, then there are five or six other women just sort of gawking at me because I'm foreign, Um, which that part of the whole experience was a little bit, well, certainly a cultural difference and certainly a little bit, not scary, but that wasn't my favorite part. But once you kind of move past that and just get over it, then the rest was pretty good. That's good to hear because I I can't imagine it is just a daunting process. And like you said, it's just not the most comfortable thing when you're trying to deal with this personal new experience. You're trying to figure out what's going on. All these other ladies around you are watching what's going on. Like, look at the foreigner. So it's I, I can imagine that was just a very interesting experience for the first time. So what actually happened then when it came time for the birth? Because you have quite the the birthing story experience. So a week before we gave birth, our building went into complete lockdown, as in we were not allowed to leave our apartment. The lifts were shut off and the actual building was sealed off. Which obviously, as a pregnant person, that is a concern when it comes 100%. to A hundred percent. That's terrifying. But just on a normal level, we have two dogs that need walked and we couldn't do that. So that in itself was a bit of a hassle. It was certainly very uncertain, but I... I'm reached out in the group chat that we have for the whole building because we're in China and it's very communal. And I really, really love that about China. Um, so I just reached out in the group chat and the, the community officer for our whole area, private 
added me, messaged me, just basically said, if anything happens at all that you need to use the lift, I will personally make sure that the lift is put on for you so that you don't need to walk down the stairs. I will make sure that that someone can take you to the hospital or whatever. So that was that was really, really nice and reassuring. Oh, that's so nice. You're like, yes, they've got my back. Big relief, you know. And so we were in lockdown where we were doing online classes, which was also not my favorite time. I really, really, like I said before, enjoy my job and I look forward to going to work. So to have to be at home was um, not great as much as everyone on the outside of my bubble was like, oh, this is great because you can rest. But I am not someone who rests. So it wasn't great for me. And then maybe two days before I gave birth our building came out of lockdown so we didn't have to take a COVID test every day at the door nose and mouth we didn't have to you know do all jump jump through all of these hoops again which was nice we could walk the dogs downstairs again which was great and so we felt a little bit more relaxed and then Around that time, just before we gave birth, the city then went into full lockdown. And there were, what do you call these kind of cargo boxes blocking the roads? Shipment containers, that's the word, shipment containers. There were these kind of shipment containers blocking the roads so there were no Didi's running. Didi obviously being the kind of taxi service oh app my that he uses. And so before we had before we had given birth in about January, maybe even before that, um, myself and Jared made the decision for me to stop using the e-bike because we felt like getting a taxi to work would be safer. And then on the night, when we were giving birth, I obviously had cramps and I timed it and I felt like this is the time. So we were oh. like, right, let's go to the hospital. Our compound has four exits and we're near this exit in the corner. And of course, the only exit that's open is the furthest one from us. So we had to walk to the road to request the we requested it and it didn't come because DD app was shut. So this is now like half two in the morning after having these cramps for quite some time before that, since about eight in the morning. Oh my goodness. Did your water break by then as well? No. Or you felt like it was okay. Literally. No, it was so like, see everything that you know about giving birth from TV. Like that did not happen with me (laughs) at all. Like I, I had visions of me, my water breaking while I was in class. I even wore these big silly pants just because I was so petrified of terrifying my children, you know, and yeah, it just didn't happen. <laughs> so that's like one positive. But yeah, so we walk to the, the, the gate, we try and get a DD, we can't. And it gets to the point where we decide we have no choice but to take the e-bike. So Jared runs back to get the e-bike. Oh my God. Obviously has to go back up to the apartment to get the keys first and come all the way back down. Oh my goodness. What a stress. 
So anyway, he gets to me. But then obviously I can't be a passenger because I have this big belly. So I have to drive us on the e-bike to the hospital. No, see, you're about to give birth. You're driving the e-bike. You couldn't get out of your compound. That must have been so panicky. Like, oh, wait, oh my God, is this really happening? It was pretty, pretty stressy, but I just, you know, retrospectively, like that is so stressful. But at the time, I just remember laughing about it and just being like, <laughs> ah, China, you know, like this is normal. This <laughs> is China. This is just life every day, you know, like nothing. Like it would happen us. this way here in China. Exactly, it would. Like birth plan, what plan? No plan, <laughs> you know? So we get to the hospital. We can't go in the normal entrance because that's blocked off. We can't go in the other entrance because that's shut. All of the staff are in lockdown in the hospital. So if they're in the hospital, they're, they live there. So there's no one outside other than the Bawan that, again, are not allowed to leave the area. They have to stay in these kind of makeshift houses that they put up. Mm. And obviously the Bawan is like, wait, why are you here? in Chinese and I'm like I'm pregnant because I didn't know how to say I am currently giving birth so I said I'm pregnant and he was just like so what you know the Rahona yeah Rahona (laughs) and so I just said baby coming like (laughs) bow bow Lila Because, again, did I think to figure out how to say this? No, it's half two in the morning and I am concentrating on the pain that is happening. So anyway, show our codes. If you're not in China, you have to show two types of code to to get in that, that kind of basically your phone tracks where you go and it is green if it's okay, orange if it's not so okay, and then red means you should be in quarantine. So luckily our codes are green because obviously we haven't been anywhere and uh, we go inside. And then I have to stand in a queue at A&E, <laughs> not the hospital at all, at A&E to get a COVID test, of course, because we can't enter the, ho- the, the hotel, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> can't enter the hospital unless we prove that we are negative, despite showing them our codes, despite the fact that we've just been in a lockdown in our community where we've been tested every single day. Home home kits that we had been given by the government, they weren't good enough to show. So anyways, we take the test and then they show us to this other section of the hospital through the A&E department where it would be the section that I'm in. And we get to this door and they're like, oh, you can go through, but he can't. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, no, 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 no. Like I have paid through the nose to get this special room so that Jared can be there because... Jared's not allowed in the room, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, no, he needs to prove that he doesn't have the virus. And I'm like, okay. 
um, kind of given birth here? Can can you let him in and then like maybe see his code in a couple of hours time, like when it comes through or can you hurry it up? But typically in the hospital, there are three options. So there's like the fourth floor, which is where you would have a bed next to several other women and you would just like if you, I don't know, broke your leg or something back home, you would be in a room with other people. That's kind of the norm in a hospital. And then there's another option, which is VIP, where you're in a smaller room, maybe just two mums or four mums. And then there's this other option, which is the LDR floor, which is the top option, if you will. Mm. And that's your own private suite which obviously sounds super duper fancy. Obviously it is in a hospital. It is not the Ritz, but it was very, very much so our big number one because we don't want people to take photos of the baby and we don't post pictures of the baby online we're very careful about that. So yeah, I, I would say a, like you guys are really like cautious and thoughtful about that. Like you won't show Tiger's face now. You don't share anything about that. And is that just something you yeah. guys decided in advance? You didn't yeah. want to like it was always posting photos. It was always a thing for us. I just feel like, and maybe it's because I'm from the '90s, where technically the internet wasn't a thing when I was born, kind of thing. So for me, my mum obviously didn't post pictures of me naked in the bath on Facebook because it didn't exist. And I'm not saying that you need to post naked pictures of your kid on in the bath for you to post pictures. You know, I, I know a lot of even my family members, their kids, um, they post cute, cute pictures all the time. I have no, no shade for other mums or, or parents that decide to do that. If you want to share what you're super proud of, then, you know, you you go ahead but for me, I just feel like we talk a lot about consent and yes, she is a baby, but actually I think that she should have the right to choose whether she's on the internet or not. So that's why we want to wait until she's old enough to make that decision for herself and educate her on internet safety as much as we can, because it's kind of like toothpaste, you know, once you squeeze it out the bottle, it doesn't go back in and yeah I think I think I'm just particularly careful about that you know I think that's a really great point and especially I think a lot of parents are really thoughtful about that now because the internet is is everywhere and once things are out like you said you can't take it back exactly it's nice to give the the kids a choice when they get older like for how they want to use it exactly and and not even just I'm not talking about, you know, really bad things, but just even just a a picture of her playing in the sand, like maybe when she's older, she doesn't want that, you know, on the internet, you know, maybe she'd be a little bit embarrassed to see the clothes that I dress her in or whatever, (laughs) you know, like it should be, it should be her choice as it was my not choice, definitely, because the internet didn't exist. But I know that if my mum was born of the same era as me she would probably not do that so I guess it's kind of a family thing for me like we're quite private despite me posting me on the internet 
all day, every day, I will talk for hours about me. <laughs> I don't think it's right to talk about someone that doesn't have the say, you know? Right. They're not involved. They don't have the agency to speak up for themselves in the conversation. Exactly. So I totally get that. Yeah. Um, so what happened actually, you've picked the birthing room and they had it all like, like reserved for you or did you have to fight to make sure that you got the room you, you paid for? So we, we reserve it in advance, but you might not get it if there's, you know, enough people that have Do you pay in advance as well? No. So you reserve it, but you don't pay until you are in labor and in the hospital about to give birth. So that part in itself is quite risky. We, we tried to pay earlier, but that wasn't an option. So we just kind of had to take the doctor's word for it. And obviously, like I said, we have friends that have given birth that gave us a lot of advice and we asked them, you know, is this normal? And they said, yes, it's, it's fine. So we, while I'm, you know, having contractions and having had my COVID test and stood in line in the A&E department and done all these other things, jumped, jumped through all these other hoops, we then obviously have to pay for the room itself. So we did that. And then they were like, right, we're going to take you there to to kind of check you over and that's when they were like oh no you you can't come through and I I I just couldn't believe it because obviously we had previously arranged that this was going to be fine and da, da 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 but it turned out that this particular section was still the public area. So other women could have also been being checked at the same time. There wasn't, there was just me. It was the middle of the night. We're in Nantong, which there's not that many people, but that's why. And then when we got to the final section, the the top floor, if you will, then Jared wasn't allowed in. And that's where we had the issue because... Obviously, we'd paid for him to be able to come through and blah, blah, blah. So the head doctor came because she could speak a bit of English. Obviously, I was quite upset. I said, listen, my baby's coming. I want his dad here. I'm in China. I need the dad here. I've not got anyone else. And I am sitting on the Bowans chair. The Bowans kind of like the security guard for the hospital. So I'm sitting on the Bowans chair who I've built this relationship with over the past few months, obviously. So she knows me and I'm crying and she's like, don't cry. It's okay. You know, your husband can come later. And I'm like, no, I need him to come now. Like what if the baby's here now, you know? And so long story short, instead of Jared being able to come at 2 PM, they allowed him to come at 8 AM. And by this point it was half past five. So I felt like that was reasonable. Yeah. So like, they, okay, just a few more hours. I was like, that's okay. Like, I don't think the baby will come by then, you know, maybe half past eight, but not eight, you know, me being totally naive thinking that, you know, the actual birth would be really quick. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, I by myself went to the room and I got settled in. And to be honest, when they showed me, because I'd obviously never seen it before, when I first walked in, I was immediately relieved because it didn't feel like I was in a hospital at all. I don't know if you have had the chance to look at the suite that I was staying in. I've 
put it on my yeah i think i saw a few photos but like it looks like a look nice a hotel really yeah yeah it looks like an apartment suite or something exactly so that part was really nice and really really lovely that i was pleasantly surprised in that aspect because i wasn't expecting that and then i met chen who was my midwife and she just oh she just was an angel from from the minute i met her i just loved her so so much she was so kind and so helpful and she spoke decent English, which was so refreshing because I hadn't obviously experienced that this whole time. And mm. she got me the yoga ball and she was like, don't worry, your husband will be here soon. We're just going to do some light exercises to relieve your pain because lying down is not good. You need to eat something. And she just totally took care of me and just really, really made me feel good despite being in a hospital in the middle of a severe lockdown without Jared, you know? So that was really, really, really nice. And then by the time Jared came, obviously I was a completely different tools because I had calmed down. I was happy. I was totally fine. I knew how to use the yoga ball, you know, like it was Jared that was stressed, you know, not me. So that was quite a, a flip of a flip, events. Yeah. And then, so that was like half, half eight, nine o'clock. We started to do the, the contraction counting where you see how far apart the contractions are. And then maybe around half past 10. So like that's two hours later, mm-hmm. we went to the delivery room. And again, Jared obviously was allowed in this private room, which was really nice. And it was just obviously a very strange experience, as would any pregnant person that's never given birth before, I'm sure would feel. But it was also just really nice because it was just me and Jared Chen, the midwife, and Dr. Ma, who I had obviously built a a relationship with as she was my doctor from, from when we found out. So they would just sort of reposition me move me around for for half an hour at a time they were just very chill you know at one point I had my legs on the stirrups and Dr. Maz checking and then her phone goes and she's like way and then off she goes into the other room and I'm just like uh can you come back here I think think I'm giving birth right now you know they can see ahead but they're still just chilling on the phone Chen's just like you know quickly nipping to get a drink of water or whatever it was like the most bizarre thing ever and the whole time I was thinking are these two people for real like surely not and then at about 5 10 about 10 past five in the evening. So bearing in mind, I had had contractions since 8 p.m. the day before. So, I mean, this is quite a drag out. Only at about 10 past five-ish did they just go nuts. 
They start putting their green overalls on me. They start getting their stuff ready. They get everything. Then there's like seven people come into the room and they put these things here and they put these things here. And they're like, there's like a, a rush and a panic. And then 10 minutes later, baby tiger arrives and it was like totally smooth. And I realize retrospectively that they just knew that she wasn't ready to come yet. And so that's why they were so chilled. But obviously me as brand new mom, I'm thinking, what are they doing? Yeah. You're like, why <laughs> no. are we like in, in hustle mode right now? You guys, I'm not being burst. <laughs> What's going on? You know? Um, so that was that. That was very, it was a very crazy and bizarre time. We were the only people on that floor besides one other family who gave birth on the same day. And we were then in lockdown in the hospital for just under a week. And so what that means is that, as I told you, the hospital staff don't leave. They have to stay on site. We are not allowed to leave. We weren't even allowed to leave our suite other than to have a little walk up and down the corridor with our face masks on. And every morning we had to have COVID tests so that people would come to our room and uh give a test and then in the afternoon they bring the results which obviously were negative because we haven't been anywhere haven't left exactly but it was very the whole situation was very very strange but also really really lovely because you are forced into this wonderful family bubble where you don't have the pressure of feeling like you need to look good for relatives or or friends coming to visit the baby and as much as I'm uh, I obviously would love that to be the case I'm also selfishly quite glad that we had that time where it was just us and we had two IEs as well as part of our hospital deal so IE is just like it's actually the word for aunt in Chinese but in this instance it kind of means nanny so we had one do a day shift, one do a night shift kind of thing. So it was like 24-7. Wow. Obviously is so lovely because turns out stuff that your body should just know how to do, like breastfeeding, is not that easy. And actually you need some help. And I did not know that at all. And I'm so glad and so grateful for them to help with that because I just thought, naively that you just sort of put the child near and the child just ate and that's just not the case at all so I'm really really grateful for that aspect and like if we needed water or anything like that they would call the the hospital shop to like bring it up safely kind of thing because obviously we couldn't leave so yeah they were another Another That's amazing that you had the IUs there and the support. And I think this is a good like segue, what you just mentioned. It was kind of nice to be in that little family bubble while you're in lockdown. There's a lot of exactly. crazy things going on around you, but in, in one way, it's nice that you're kind of insulated, get time for each other. Um, and it's kind of like, you know, this, this Chinese idea of so can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's this traditional Chinese like postnatal care where mostly women won't leave their house for a month, they're staying, they're resting, it's it's bonding time for the family and for the baby. 
um, to rest and the women to recover with the body. Uh, so can you talk a bit about that? Was that kind of expected of you? Were people asking that? Like your doctor, um, was there expectations there for that? And how how did you feel around all of that? I would say that because my doctor had already dealt with some foreigners who had already given birth fairly recently, like within the last two years, I would say that she did not expect that of me definitely because of her, I guess, stereotype towards the only foreigners that she has experienced, you know, um, weren't going to do the Tsoyetsa. So I didn't have that sort of pressure, I guess, to, to follow tradition. And obviously because me and Jared, neither one of us are Chinese, there's no family pressure either to, to sort of follow tradition in that respect. However, my community, when I came back, obviously we were still in lockdown. So obviously we were still expected to walk downstairs to building one, just next to building one, to get our COVID test every day. And so obviously we don't live in a Chinese household and therefore we don't live with in-laws or our parents. And so we didn't have anyone to look after Tiger to begin with. So it was just us. So of course we took Tiger downstairs. And of course I had only given birth a week prior. And so the COVID test people were quite shocked that I was out and about and Tiger was out and about because of course we don't want the baby to get sick. The baby, you know, hasn't built any immunity yet to anything outside. So that's quite strange to see in China. And of course our body has just went through something really traumatic. And if you broke your leg, of course you would be expected to rest. So why would it be any different for someone who's just given birth? And that to me makes total sense. Like a lot of people, they hear, oh, you don't shower. That's not good. And they don't think about the fact that it's not don't shower. It's a long, long, long time ago. If you shower, you'd likely catch a cold because when you get out, there's no heating or, you know, you, you've wet your hair and then you've slept on it rather than being mm. able to dry it with a hairdryer. So yeah. that's a that huge makes thing. Total Even sense. like normally my friends would always be like, don't take a shower at night unless you're going to, because if you can't dry it, you're going to catch a cold. Like that's, exactly. Like, you're like, oh yeah, it totally makes sense. makes sense. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, have a have a child come out of the swimming pool and then take them on the e-bike, you know, yeah. because they'll catch a cold. So why would you, who's just been through the trauma of giving birth, and then you would have that potential because your body's a little bit weaker. So that that's kind of where that comes from. Obviously, nowadays, men and women are a lot more equal I'll say the the man in the family isn't expected to just go out and and work and not be part of the the child's upbringing nowadays so that is also I guess a stereotype that 
maybe Westerners have of Chinese culture that isn't necessarily true. And there's a lot of science to women not taking a bath while we are on our period. So why would we take a bath if we've just given birth? You know, it's kind of the same idea. So in that respect, I understand it. And I totally respect people who do take the rest. But of course, I'm me and I absolutely had a shower as soon as I got into that room, washed my hair. And I did get a surprised look from both eyes when I had the window open because it was April and therefore absolutely roasting for a Scottish person. They were like, you don't even have shoes on. You'll catch a cold. And I'm like, this is really hot for me, you know, like, so I guess the people that I would expect to potentially have something to say didn't. And the people that maybe don't know me or know foreigners in general, particularly well, had something to say. Like we, we went and visited our friends that live in another building in our community with Tiger when Tiger was maybe two weeks old, something like that. 10 days, I'm told by the voice in the back. And we had a random AI who we didn't know come and sort of ruffle the blanket and be like, you need to do it like this if you're going to have the baby out. The baby shouldn't even be outside. And you shouldn't be outside either, you know, so... As much as maybe it seems like old people meddling in in what's not their business, actually, I quite like it because I feel cared for. And I really like when the the older people look after me, especially being a foreigner. Like, I feel really lucky to live here in this community because everyone's really nice generally and people want to talk to me and want to interact and we have a lot of friends in our building which is nice that mm. yes like they might have a little bit of a community around it really While is your family can't be here at least you've got people that that are looking out for you that are thoughtful and caring exactly That's really nice yeah do you feel like um you've faced any other, I guess, stereotypes around being a Western mom here in China, like with people trying to give advice or people like asking questions out of curiosity, like what, what do you plan to do with Tiger? And what are you doing now? Like overall, it sounds really like you've had a lovely experience though, that you can take away such positivity around it. Like, oh, I feel happy that I'm being cared for. So I guess, have, have there been any other kind of stereotypes or what Chinese people might think of Western moms? I had a conversation with our nanny um, today who looks after Tiger while I'm at work about this exact question because obviously she has her own kids and she's looked after other kids. And I wondered what her opinion is of me as a mum versus some of her friends, uh, local friends. And she said that she sees Tiger 
I guess, grow up quicker because we instill independence. So, for example, if Tiger is fed a bottle, she will hold it by herself, even though she's only five and a bit months. And we've started to let her feed herself like a little bit of banana or something like that. And we give her the spoon, whereas our nanny will put the spoon in the baby's mouth. So obviously we had a conversation where I explained why we let the baby hold the spoon. And we also chatted about why she wouldn't let the baby hold the spoon. And I guess there's a lot of babying in China when it comes to the kids because the grandparents typically look after the kids and anyone with a grandparent will know that we are the the light of their lives typically. And of course, you know, by the time grandma and grandpa are older, they are less strict typically. And so that's kind of the general vibe when it comes to for example feeding tiger and then the other thing that um our i said was that it's quite nice to see that we both work full time but we still have time for tiger you know like we we read to her every night she can't understand a word of it, but it's it's good practice. You know, we we play with her, we sing songs to her, that kind of thing. And she said that's quite different, again, because of the family structure. And obviously, this is only my one nanny's opinion. That might not be the case for everyone. But it was interesting to get her sort of outlook on us as a family because she knows us very well. Obviously, she's here every day to look after Tiger. So, yeah, I asked her and she that was that was the answer that she gave, which was nice. Yeah. And it's really lovely that you've got an IE that you have that close connection and relationship with that you can have those kind of cross-cultural conversations as well. Like, oh, this is why it's a tradition for us. And what? why is this a tradition for you? And I think that just is so nice to have those kind of conversations and you can kind of bring in the, the best of both that you really like in the way that you want to, that fits your family. Yeah. yeah. Aw. So before, before we head out and go, I, I know I've taken up a lot of your time and don't want to take you away from Tiger too much. Um, but what advice would you give to other expat moms in China, whether they're maybe going to give birth soon, they're thinking about it. Is there anything you'd wish you'd known or advice you would give about, you know, being a new mom here in China? I would just say, try and prepare yourself with as much information as you can in that obviously we have WeChat, obviously there are group chats, get on them and ask all of the questions that you might think are silly because it's very likely someone else has been through exactly that or something similar and just just relax it's not I think everyone on the outside can see it as a very crazy experience a very strange experience a very unique experience but you know we've been giving birth 
for quite a long time and we've managed to do it through much harder times with no technology and no no drugs or anything like that so if the women back then can do it i'm sure people nowadays can can do it and even though there's a language barrier you know there's always an app that you can figure out what they're saying or what they mean and yeah just relax and enjoy because it goes by a lot quicker than you think and I'm not gonna lie I I really miss I miss feeling tiger in my in my tummy when I'm at work yeah that's so oh that's very sweet I'm sure it's a totally different feeling and experience you know once she came out I was so desperate to to meet her and it's obviously super cliche but it it really is the most wonderful experience that I've ever ever had to just meet like the person that you made you know yeah and um yeah I feel I feel over the moon and, and really like I'm walking on a cloud even even five six months later but I when I'm at work, obviously that's the time where we're separated for for a few hours. So sometimes I don't mean to, but I'll just sort of touch my belly as I used to. to oh, to it's like her. instinctively, like. Of course, she's then not there. So, yeah. Oh, that's really sweet, and I, I love just like hearing more about your your family and your experience with giving birth to Tiger. I just overall, I just love your your attitude about China. Even what you share on Instagram, I think you have just such a lovely outlook about being positive, making connections with people, like having those conversations, um, and just really you know enjoying your life here. I, I love that, and I think that's really during all of these crazy times and COVID and as as ups and downs as it can be. You know, there's still so many wonderful things with China. That's why we're still here, right? All of us. Definitely. Um, you know, and I think it's so great that you, you know, you guys have Tiger now. And so you've got a growing family. I know, my goodness. <laughs> I definitely wasn't expecting to still be here after my year. <laughs> have all of these things that are in my house. My landlady said the other day when she was here to check the aircon, she was like, you have so many things. What if you ever move? I'm like, oh, I do not know. I really don't, you know. That's how we feel sometimes too. We're like, how did we get so much stuff? It's like, just random. Where like, do these all like, come from? Pictures and books and just things. Like, what is all this? I don't know. Where did this come from? But yeah. And I think as well, line. like you said about, um, I guess, being positive, even when it might seem negative, I think for me, if I think maybe I don't like the way something is, I will just ask a friend who's Chinese, why do you do that? Or why is it like this? Mm. Or can you explain to me what it is that makes this happen or whatever? And I think having someone explain just something that might be a little bit confusing for us to understand, even just the way that we translate things on WeChat, like, wow, there's a lot of riddles in China, you know? Yeah. Like they and sometimes really... the way they things translate isn't, you're like, what? Exactly. Like, huh? That, what did you, what, what does that even mean? I have no idea. And so I think if you have 
a deeper understanding of the why, then it becomes a lot easier to deal with things and kind of just shrug your shoulders and say, oh, China, because you kind of understand a bit more. That's certainly what I'm trying to do just in everyday life, just understand people. And I think if you understand people, then it's much easier to live here than if you don't. And I don't necessarily mean being fluent in Chinese or learning all the characters or anything like that. I just mean understanding the real basics, you know, like, Mm. why do we say this? Why do we put this word here? Why do we ask such things on WeChat? Because even just, how are you? You never, ever say that in Chinese, you know? That's so weird. Yeah. Like, did you eat? Are you full? You know, do you feel well rested? Like, I actually care about you, you know? Yeah. Which is so nice. ways of showing that care and understanding like, oh, that's how they're showing their love. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So for me, the, the why is important. And so that's why I just constantly ask people why is this like this? Hey, how, how do you say this? Or how, how should I express this? You know, like a hundred percent. I think that's the best way, right? Like it's just being curious about things and staying, um, kind and ready to talk to people and like relating on a human level, like people to people. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, also thank you so much for joining tonight, Duels. And best wishes for you and Jared and Tiger. Um, How can people follow you and see what you're up to in China? Uh, I have an Instagram account, which is Dooley Duels. And if you're super duper China, I do have a Doying account, which is TikTok (laughs) for China. Um, and I want to say my name is Dooley Duels on there, but it actually might be my Chinese name, which is Doolan. Okay. Um, I can certainly message you that, but yeah. I would say, I would say, uh, Instagram's probably the more obvious choice. I'm sure more people are on Instagram than they are on doing. That's right? You can, you can message her on Instagram, ask her for all her Chinese stuff if you're interested for sure. <laughs> Um, Yeah, but thank you so much. And thanks for listening to this week's episode. Bye.